Dickinson holding through center. Dickinson across the blue line. The ball Welcome to episode one of Night Shift. I think this actually brings to an end the number of names that you can attach to nights that we have used over however many years we have been covering the London Knights. My name is Mike Stubbs, and joining me right now is Kyle Grimard. And Kyle, I, I think Night Shift was the last one because there there are a finite number of things you can tie into nights, and this was the uh, the only one left that we hadn't crossed off. So I'm glad we're able to use it. Well, I remember we were on the phone discussing and brainstorming names, and you had said you had heard just about all of them, and then they came up with one more, (laughs) and he said, that's it. We're done. This is the last one we can do here. So what are we going to do on this podcast? Well, we're going to talk London Nights, and we'll do it a couple of times a week. It keeps you right up to date. It'll preview what they're doing in an upcoming weekend. It will look back over what has happened in a weekend gone by. And it will certainly talk to some ex-Knights. We'll keep tabs on where everybody is in the professional ranks and the university ranks. And we'll tell some stories. The seven-second delay story, the toilet that backed up at the London Ice House and ended what could have been a win that would have prevented that 1995-96 team from holding down the record for fewest victories in a season. It all wow. comes down to a backed up toilet. Kyle, do you even know that story? I don't think I do. I know you and I have had a few lunches and we, we've shared a few stories, but I don't think that one's come ac- uh, come up yet. So I'm, I'm intrigued. You've told some incredible stories and that's one thing on this podcast that I'm really looking forward to. I, I might have a few in the bag as well, but I think in terms of merit, you've, you've got a few set and ready to go. The Mississauga Ice Dogs went through a season where they won only four times. That was in 1998-1999 in their expansion year. The London Knights have that very famous 1995-1996 team, and I still wish I would have taken more notes, but as people ask, why didn't you write a book about that? I always answer with, you didn't believe it was going to continue to be this bad for that long. And that's <laughs> why nobody really took down notes. Because you always believed, hey, they'll reel off three or four wins in a row. But they do have the record for fewest wins in the CHL at three. 360 and three was that season. And they might have actually had another win in there. They were on their way to it. And there was no reason why they wouldn't have been able to hang on and win, which would have given them four. And then a toilet backed up inside the mall. So I think at that time it was called the Superstore Mall. And whatever plumbing was underneath the ground started to bring the water in a certain direction all the way back toward the London Ice House. And the Knights happened to be playing the Niagara, not Ice Dogs, uh, the Niagara Falls Thunder, and they were winning 3 nothing. And as the story goes, the goaltender for the Niagara Falls Thunder, Ryan Penny, was not feeling well, and the backup goalie was injured. So this was going nowhere for Niagara Falls really fast. The Knights were up 3-0 at the end of the first period. But at some point during the first period, that backed-up toilet and that water in the pipes had made its way all the way over top of the blue line where a pipe ended. And water started to fall to the ice. 
and it fell and it fell and it poured down. And nobody really noticed this during the first period. But at the end of the first, they did notice and they looked at it. And this wasn't just a little hole. This wasn't water that was dropping on the ice and freezing. This was actually a big hole. And being the mid-90s, there were a lot of discussions going on. I think somebody said, well, could we put a pylon down? And immediately, no, 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 we, we can't do that. So ultimately, they had to end the game, cancel the game. And under OHL rules, the game had to be made up at a different time when Niagara Falls had a healthier Ryan Penny, even had a non-injured backup goalie, and came in and beat the London Knights, I think it was 7-4. So what would have been their fourth victory of the year ended up only lasting a period. So there are so many stories like that, and a lot of them don't just deal with what went wrong. Let's face it, over the last 22 years, they deal with what has gone very, very right for this club. But Kyle, when we go back to the opening game of this season, home opener on Friday, September 30th, the Knights took on the Owen Sound attack, didn't get the win they were looking for. When you look back at that game, what is it that stands out to you in terms of what took place? What stands out, a couple of things, Mike. The, the first one, obviously, was the second period where Owen Sound took over. The Knights actually had a one nothing lead going into the second period. The shots at that point were, I think, 8-7 Owen Sound. And then they just poured it on, out shooting the Knights by uh, a, a count of 15-1, to outscored them 3-0, and that really pushed uh, Owen Sound really on the, on the precipice of winning. And then that moment in the third period, because London – Rallied back in the third, outshot Owen Sound 12-5, but it was the Owen Sound attack's fourth goal. And if London maybe had scored first in the third period instead of Owen Sound, all of a sudden that game's 3-2 and not 4-1. But Gavin Bryan scores the second of the game, ends up being the game winner of all two. Bryce Montgomery scores a power play goal to make it 4-2, and at that point it's a little bit too late. Kobe Barlow th throws the insurance marker on there. But... Those pivotal moments, the second period where London was really getting corralled in their own. I don't know if it had to do with the long change. I don't know if they were feeling a little good or Owen Sound really turned it up for that period. But that was kind of the pivotal one for me. And that's, I think, what everybody noticed, too, was about two or three minutes left in the period. You looked and you went, London only has one shot on net. Oh, no. Of course, they're down now 3-1. And, and I just think that moment and the Knights had those chances, like I said, in the third. But as soon as Owen Sound was able to bury their fourth and go up 4-1, I think that was the difference maker for me. We need to grab some statistics. And this would take an awfully long time to compile. And I don't know if there would be any good pot of gold result at the end. But players who play in or near their hometown. And how they do. There was a night when Nick Suzuki came in when he was a member of the Owen Sound Attack and had a pile of points. Ryan Suzuki would do it. A lot of London-born players will do it. And Gavin Bryant's from Ingersoll. And last year, he had his first OHL goal in the first game of the season that was played between the Knights and the Attack. And then he scores two. And that hometown boost, I'm telling you, there is something there. The Western Mustang football team goes to Hamilton, plays McMaster, and absolutely destroys the Marauders. And their number one quarterback, Evan Hillock, he's from Hamilton. From so that hammer. little boost yeah. that you get. And I think Gavin Bryant was flying all night for that reason. That second period, I wonder about the surge of the home opener and the surge for so many young players 
because that first period definitely surged and a couple of young players, and we'll talk about this in just a couple of minutes, but Sam Dickinson and Oliver Bonk combining on that first goal that the Knights scored and what that means and, and really what we can look for in terms of offense from the defense this year on the London Knights, because I think it's going to be a, a really big factor for this team. But yeah, you look at they're going to be fun. Yeah, you you look at the surge that seemed to kind of pull back, kind of like a, a wave crashing on the shore and then pulling back. That seemed to be the second period. The other thing I look at is I don't think enough people have given Owen Sound enough credit for how good they are going to be. When you read a lot of the predictions and prognostications, they're not at the bottom, but I really think they're going to be closer to the top based on how they played last year based on their young core, the explosiveness of their offense and the predictions going into the season, I think will allow them to still sort of, you know, hide there under the radar just a little bit, but you make Colby Barlow, your captain at the age of 17, you have designs on growing and continuing to get better and better. And the top of their depth chart among their forwards, what it was on Friday night is what it will be next year and what it will be the year after. So this is a scary team that we're looking at, and they're going to be scary young. And the Knights hope they can be exactly the same thing. But I think that second period, if they could, if they could go back and correct a couple of things, as Bryce Montgomery said after the game, I think we saw a good push in the third period. And then the offense from the defense, Kyle, this is going to be really interesting this year because you can look back over the years, Evan Bouchard, not too many years ago, led the London Knights in scoring in 2017, 2018. And you've had other players who have had really good offense from the back end. People who want to go back far enough will go back to Nick Stajdahar. And even in his best season, you would think, oh, Nick Stajdahar, he, he would have led the Knights in scoring. No, it didn't lead them in scoring, but he was fourth on a team that scored an awful lot. And there were all kinds of other defensemen in the early 80s, some who were actually forwards who played defense, and they had some push and they had some numbers. But I really think there's, there's a chance for a big collective from the back end because on Friday night, we didn't see Isaiah George and we didn't see Logan Mayu in the lineup. And I think you're going to see offensive output from both of those guys. Jared Keane, because the Knights have four overagers, could not play. But look at all of the goals the Knights scored. The first one, Kyle, is a defenseman from a defenseman. The second one was a defenseman, Bryce Montgomery, scoring. And the third one was Connor Federkow putting a shot on net that Easton Cowan tips in. And I think we're going to see a lot of offensive catalysts on the back end and Logan Mayhew once he returns from Montreal which he's fully expected to I think he as much as he'll have missed a, a couple of games he may not be among the leaders now in overall points but he could certainly have a run at points per game in the OHL this year I think he has that kind of offensive ability well, May for sure, and, and that was he's a high-end draft pick in the National Hockey League. He was brought over from London, like you said. But you know, May last year we saw flashes of it where he just he can take a puck. It's very similar to uh, an Evan Bouchard, of course, defenseman now for the Edmonton Oilers. But he, he can take a puck and hit his own end, make a couple guys miss, and then bury it once he gets inside the blue line. Like I remember the first thing, and Mike, you can attest to this too. 
I saw him shoot the puck for the first time and oh, that's an NHL shot. You thought that about Evan Bouchard. You went, that's that's an NHL shot. So that that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, the, the, it was funny. You and I were joking going back to the, the first goal of the regular season. It was Sam Dickinson over to Oliver Bonk on a two-on-one where they are defense partners making the play. And you and I were just howling at that. But it was the awareness of Dickinson. And you're right. Like, there's a lot of guys on this back end that are going to be able to contribute offensively. And it's – you look at this team up and down. Where are the strengths? Well, they got overagers on de- on defense. We saw really great rookie year from Isaiah George last year. And then the return of OHL goaltender of the year, Brett Brochu. So it's literally from the net out. And that's where London's going to be able to get their strength and allow their offense to slowly grow and develop and figure out who are going to be the main catalyst moving forward. That's it. And so what about the forwards, you say? I wouldn't worry too much right now at all. Because even though we didn't see a lot of production from the forwards, you've got so much potential and it's going to be fitting into those shoes that were worn or the skates that were worn by Evangelista, Antonio Stranges, Cody Morgan, Ty McSorley, Cameron Baber came over and contributed as an overager late in the season last year. And that'll work itself out. I always love... And I haven't seen too much overreaction over the Knights losing their first game to Owen Sound. But when a year starts, doesn't matter what the league is, Kyle, everybody overreacts, especially the NFL is perfect for this because there are only 17 games in a season. So you lose one and all of a sudden things are bad. You lose two, things are really bad. You lose three and you start thinking the season is over. But you look around the league and the first weekend will always have this. And I love how Guelph goes into Saginaw and gives up 10 goals. And then the very next day that Guelph loses that game, they didn't win 11-10. They lost 10-6. The very next day, Niagara goes into Saginaw and blows out the Saginaw spirit 7-2. And you would say, okay, all right, well, then then Niagara is really, really good. Well, wait a minute. They lost on opening night to Mississauga in overtime. Wow, then Mississauga must be really, really good. Oh, oh, hang on. Mississauga was beaten up pretty good yesterday by Sudbury, 6-2. to two. And there are still a lot of chips that are falling all over the place. And I think there's going to be a lot of parity this year. I don't see a juggernaut team. Last year, Hamilton turned themselves into a juggernaut team. I don't see a juggernaut team this year. You can talk about the Peterborough Peets. Mm, I don't I don't see juggernaut. The Barry Colts, mm, maybe with a couple more additions. But every team seems to have something that makes you say they're going to be good. And then something that makes you say, but they've got some stuff to iron out. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm just looking at the, the box score. Like you said, like Saginaw got their bell rung and then they go home, they play Guelph. They put up a 10 spot on the road, including six in the third period. And you know, every, every team's got the big names, right? Sarnia has got uh, Ty Voigt, uh, Guelph's got, uh, you know, Danny Jokin, for example, and, and Poitra and you go to Saginaw and they've got exceptional status, uh, Michael Misa. So like, Every team's going to have names. Every team's going to have that th- those forward or those defense or those goaltenders that like makes them stand out a little bit. But you're right. There's going to be, I don't know, there's going to be teams where every team has their strengths, but every team has their weaknesses. And we're, we're going to see a lot of both throughout the course of the season. Some teams are going to match up better against others. They'll turn around. They'll play a team that just gets demolished. And then they'll go in 
and handle that team because the matchup's better. Like, you know what I mean, Mike? Absolutely. And that matchup, that's something that managers, coaches are going to be focused in on because there are certain times out of the year when you kind of take stock and you figure out where it is that you are and where it is that you're going. And I think we're going to have that moment. And this, this is classic junior hockey where you have a team saying, you know what, we're going to go for it this year and they will load up. And then you're going to have other teams making that finite decision. Yeah. We're, we're going to be rebuilding. And I think there's going to be a big split sports itself. Kyle is, is coming together that way where it more and more, you don't want to be in what everybody calls the mushy middle. And that's been a philosophy that Mark and Dale Hunter have had from the beginning. They either want to be winning championships or be putting themselves into a position to win a championship. And that mushy middle is, it's not really doing you any good. It's not doing your fans any good. And I think fans have become really knowledgeable, you know, fans of the Chicago Blackhawks right now are having to sit back and realize this is going to be a year that's going to be a long year. But if we follow the same sort of road that the New York Rangers do, or the same sort of road that let's face it, even Colorado, Colorado was bad for a couple of years last year, they won the Stanley cup and they're an easy favorite for this year. So it's uh it's stay away from the mushy middle. And I don't think we're going to have much, much of a mushy middle around trade deadline this year in the OHL. No, I, I don't think so either. It's funny. You, you say mushy middle and and the one the one term you hear in a lot of sports is just like the mediocrity. So like it, I the one team I always associate it with and if there's any Cowboys fans. I'm sorry, but not really. But that <laughs> stretch between 2011 and 2015 where they had an identical record 2011, eight and eight, 2012, eight and eight, 2013, eight and eight. You just don't go anywhere. Then they go 12 and four in 2014. Then the following season, they go four and 12. So like, there's just, there was no happy medium for the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, now they've got a couple of guys and obviously Prescott and Zeke, but just that's what a lot of teams can unfortunately get caught in that precipice of, you know, you, you're you kind of middle of the pack, middle of the pack, you have a good season and then you fall back and it's just, you're right back into that mushy middle as you said and that's just it's the one area especially in junior hockey because junior hockey there's such a quick uh like overlap of things where where teams can go from bottom of the barrel to contenders within a year or two at the absolute most and then those players get drafted and then you've got to start over again and that's why i don't know the knights the, the their long-standing playoff run and what they've been able to do for so long is just all the more impressive to me it is it's hard it is hard to do where you keep yourself stocked and there are organizations that do it and it takes everything that you have in scouting and everything that you have in developing you have to have both of those things we talked about oliver bonk and his first goal from sam dickinson you mentioned michael misa who is playing in the ohl as a 15 year old he had two goals this weekend for saginaw starts off with three points in two games as a 15 year old kevin he in niagara had two goals these are all rookies. These are names we're going to get to know. And Gabe Frasca, who's somebody else to listen for, had two points in his first two games. And congratulations to Londoner Jet Luchenko. Plays for Guelph, 
scored yeah. his first OHL goal on the weekend. And it was in that crazy game against the Saginaw Spirit that Guelph ultimately lost after giving up 10 goals. But you don't panic. Guelph's not going to panic over something like that. They're still going to be a good team. Kitchener went into Owen Sound on Saturday and lost. I still think Kitchener is going to be a good team, especially yeah. if they wind up getting Philip Meshar back from the Montreal Canadiens. So the Canadians seem to have a couple of guys who are, uh, <laughs> at least at the time of this recording, who are there, like Logan Mayhew, like Philip Meshar. And if both of them wind up in the OHL, brings the talent level up in a big way in the Ontario Hockey League. And it's like they're holding them back from a couple of teams. And he, you just, you got him waiting. Kitchener's like, come on, give us our guy back. London's like, we could really use Mayu at this point. But no, it's, and this is, it, this is the time of year, right? When you have those players that are going to, to NHL camps and they're making their way. Like for Ty Voigt seemed like a while, he was going to be a longstanding member of, of Leaf Camp for some time. He had a couple of really good games. He showed some skill. And now he's already back with Sarni. He scored the game-winning goal on Saturday night in Windsor in that one. So it's just a matter of going through the process with camp. But after the first couple of weeks, and, and London has been through this with a plethora of players. They've gone through it with, you know, the Bouchards. Uh, I remember Connor McMichael, uh, Liam Foodie for uh, a few years when he was part of the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets development camp. You know, he spent some time there and then the world juniors kick in. So teams are always adjusting. I think in the OHL, probably I feel like teams adjust more in the OHL than they would at, at a lot of other levels, Mike. I don't know about, I don't know if that's correct or not, but it just seems like there's always something that teams are having to work their lineups and schedules around. Yeah, it's true because you've got so many things during the year, whether it's under 17s or world juniors, there are always little interruptions. Plus Olympics you are at the mercy of <laughs> NHL teams and their prospects. What was it Mason McTavish part of the uh, Olympic team for team Canada when he, before he was in Hamilton and then he was playing with the ducks. So you never know what's going to throw it, what uh, life's going to throw these OHL teams. Well, we're also keeping our eye on players who used to play for the London Knights and what they are up to. Yanni Kwokanen has moved over to Switzerland and is off to a big start. Nine points in 11 games he had played last year with the New Jersey Devils, so he makes the switch now going to Europe. Brett Walichka is playing for the Nottingham Panthers in the British Hockey League, and so he is now off to a good offensive start. He's got three points in four games. And another one to watch, last week there were players playing in the KHL, the Continental Hockey League in Russia, who were basically told, we don't know what kind of support we can provide you if you needed some by way of the Canadian embassy. So you might want to think about leaving. One of those players who would have to be thinking about that is actually an American-born player, Alex Broadhurst. And he is playing with Avangard Omsk and is, again, having a, a good start to his year, producing points. But that's a question that a lot of players have. Do you want to do that? And another player is Joey Keane, who is the brother of Jared Keane, who's playing for Spartak Moscow. And he's playing with another London Knight in Phil Veroni. And so those guys have to make those decisions and figure out whether or not they want to stay and play in the KHL or whether they decide to come back to North America as has been recommended because of what is going on between Russia and Ukraine and that war. So yeah, it's that's still happening and that's still affecting not just, I mean, unfortunately, uh, you know, all those who are living over there, but you know, businesses, athletes, you name it. So there's, um, 
yeah, Joey Keene, that's a name that came up. And I remember him as a London Knight. He may, I just, I love the way he skated. He's such a good player. Um, I, I wish the best for that guy. Let's hope things work out for him and let's hope all of those guys stay safe. We'll continue to monitor what those players are doing. We will talk to some former London Knights, some current London Knights on episode two that will come out later this week. We will be previewing the weekend. The Knights will host the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. The Greyhounds split a couple of games as they played North Bay in a home and home. And then they will go to Erie for their first road game on Saturday night. And Kyle, Erie is already ready because it, it's the Otters' home opener and they already have the London Sucks t-shirts <laughs> out. Now, here's one more story if you're thinking, hey, wait a minute, what, what's Erie doing making a London Sucks t-shirt? Well, this goes back a little ways. This goes back to Erie being really one of the first arenas to play Neil Diamond. And the song that, you know, has become very, very famous that's played every third period. Kyle, you were saying people at Budweiser Gardens on Friday night may have been singing it louder than ever before. I Hands down. So for those who are listening and don't know, I do the in-game announcements as well, whether it's giving prizes away, getting everybody excited. And part of the third period, one of the things is everyone starts singing Sweet Caroline. Mike, I've, I've done playoff games. I've done sold-out games leading into the post. I cannot remember the last time it was that loud singing Sweet Caroline. I don't know if everyone was just back because there was no restrictions or everyone was just having a good time, but that's that was one of the loudest buildings I've been in for some time. Maybe it was just the home opener, but that that caught my attention. And when the Knights scored their first goal too, it was it was a good crowd in London. I think it's going to be a good crowd all year. So good, so good, so good, like the song says. So Erie really caught on to this early. They, I don't know whether we can give them the credit for really kicking this off. I'm sure it happened in some pro buildings, and, and that's where it came from. But they've been doing this for a long, long time. But here's the thing in Erie. When you sing Sweet Caroline and they go, dun, 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 they actually in Erie sing London Sucks. That's what they say. And they've been doing this for years. And the thing is, if Erie is playing the London Knights, it happens. But if Erie is playing the Sudbury Wolves, the Ottawa 67s, the Niagara Ice Dogs, the Guelph Storm, the Kitchener Rangers, the Sardinia Sting, anybody else, when that song is played in the third period, the fans still sing London Sucks. Why? So they made these yellow T-shirts <laughs> and they're going to be giving them out on Saturday night, we may have to go to Erie for our next podcast and find out the story behind making these t-shirts and, uh, well, making a tradition just that much stronger. Gotta love junior hockey. Gotta love it. Didn't that start in baseball? Wasn't that a thing that was sung at, at Wrigley Field? Probably. Probably. Yeah. But Erie really was the first to pick up on it in the for OHL hockey. for sure, yeah. maybe even in hockey. And they have run with it to the point that it will be a big part of their home opener. I don't know how many times they'll sing the song. Usually it's at least once, but in Erie, sometimes you'll get it even more than once. Should be a fun road trip for the London Knights. Kyle, thanks for this. It's been great putting together episode one of Let's Hope Hundreds.
Yeah, l- listen, let's hope so. I am uh, I'm looking forward to this not just throughout the course of the season, but we know how much happens during the off season too if we continue it through then, but I'm I'm excited Mike. I'm ex- it's a very intriguing London Knights team this season. Uh very unexpected of of where the, of how they're going to finish, where they're going to go. We know their strong points, we know areas they're looking to build upon. It's 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 quite the season to start this off and I'm excited. We'll continue to break it down on the night shift.